You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Back on college football today. Great matchups kicking off around 1 o'clock. Another intriguing battle is the Bahamas Bowl. UAB out of football last year. Going back to a bowl game. 8-4 and four overall. Taking on the Ohio Bobcats and Frank Solich. Frank Solich has lost his last three bowl games with the Bobcats. UAB, to me, has the better team. And more importantly, Rich, they have the better secondary, holding opposing offenses to 188 passing yards per game. I like the underdog here. I expect UAB to get the outright win over the Bobcats in this matchup. You're probably referring to Darius Williams in that secondary, who is an outstanding player, one of the real showcase talents for the Blazers this season. I, I agree with you. I disagree with you a little bit. I, I think Ohio has the better overall talent. Do you? I, yeah, offensively, I think you're going to get an opportunity to watch Nathan Rourke, Canadian quarterback, playing for the Bobcats. Reminds me a little bit of a former Mac quarterback, Jordan Lynch, yes. at Northern Illinois, in which, you know, not a great passer, not a prototypical pocket passer, but makes a lot of plays with his feet he'll make uh, he'll make things happen outside of the pocket but I, I agree with you that UAB wins this game because Ohio I don't see the motivation UAB not just out of football last year but out of football in 2015 as well I mean it's been a two-year hiatus Bill Clark a strong candidate for coach of the year these kids this is really what the expanded bowl schedule really benefits because we get an opportunity to watch a UAB team that was defunct for the last two seasons they will be absolutely fired up for this game against Ohio I I think they win it outright as well and as a bonus they're getting seven and a half points yeah here's the thing about this bowl game as well it's quickly rising up my list of favorite bowl games only three games played but they were real nail biters you look at that game three years ago Western Kentucky against Cooper Rush and Titus Davis they went for two last game for Dan Enos uh, the Hail Mary to end the game and they lost that ball game by one point in uh, two years ago Middle Tennessee State Stock still took on Western Kentucky, another great matchup. And last year we saw Old Dominion get a four-point win over Eastern Michigan. So the underdog has played very well in each three of these yeah. ball games. So that's why I expect UAB to be in this matchup as well. And they've played solid competition. I mean, look at some of the teams that they played. They played even though they got blown out by Florida. I mean, from uh, the trenches perspective, they they were right there with the Gators in the early part of the game. And I like the speed of UAB on yeah. the outside. Well, look at how Ohio closed, too. I like to look at how a team finished the regular season. I mean, Ohio just limped to the finish line. Losses to Akron and Buffalo did not play well in either of those matchups. I really like the linebackers at Ohio, but that defense in general struggled down the stretch. I'm going to lobby right now. We've got about 365 days, Joe. I want you and I to be on site at next year's Bahamas Bowl. Oh, my God. That will be a for that great matchup. matchup. And yeah. Olet uh, will not play in that ball game for Ohio, back. so yeah, that'll put back. a lot of pressure on the offensive line and the quarterback, Nathan O'Rourke, to stretch that defense vertically. That's why I like the Blazers. Rich and I are all over UAB next week in the Bahamas Bowl. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Middle Tennessee State and Arkansas State. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Eight o'clock kick, Middle Tennessee State and Brent Stockstill, Arkansas, Justin, Arkansas State and Justice Hansen. It's the Camellia Bowl. Rich, when we talked about Arkansas State, the one thing I could tell you is that they bring a physicality offense and defensive lines. This is a team that knocked off Nebraska earlier in the year. They had a double-digit lead over the Cornhuskers in Lincoln Memorial Stadium. I mean, they're from an offensive perspective. Arkansas State averaging 340 passing yards per game. They're battle-tested. To me, Middle Tennessee State, even with stock still, a finesse offense and defense, I think the Red Wolves win this ballgame by 10 points or more. This line surprised me from the outset. I thought it would have been higher. I I thought it should have been about seven or eight points. It's sitting... Yeah, maybe half that, about three and a half. Yeah, it's in the area of like three and a half, four right there. I think Arkansas State is a significantly better team than Middle Tennessee for the reasons that you mentioned. Love Justice Hansen. I think the nation will have fun watching him tonight in prime time, 8 o'clock. He's got a bevy of good receivers. They can run the ball. And then on defense, Javon Rollin-Jones might be the most underrated player in in all of today's games, in all five of today's games. I think people really need to pay attention to what he can do off the edge. He's second nationally with 13 sacks, going up against a Middle Tennessee offensive line that has underperformed this season. So you've got the best offensive player in Arkansas State in Justice Hansen in this game, and you've got the best defensive player in Javon Rollin-Jones. I think it's just a more complete football team. I I think Arkansas State wins going away. And again, I mentioned it in an earlier segment. The Blue Raiders just not the same without Richie James, their dynamic wide receiver who was used in a multitude of different ways. He was lost early in the year to an injury, and and it's impacted Brent Stockton. Ty Lee, their wide receiver, has picked up some of the slack, Joe. But not enough. I think Middle Tennessee is an incomplete team. They can't compete in this game. And when you break these bowl games down as well, I look to look at past performance as well from a coaching perspective. You look at Middle Tennessee State the last couple of bowl games. They lost to Hawaii last year. Even though Whitstock still, he performed very well. But from a coaching aspect, they did not get that victory. Two years ago against Western Michigan, they lost that Bahamas Bowl as well. So when you look at Arkansas State, they've stepped up in bowl competition. They knocked off UCF and Scott Frost last year so each and every game to me they're they're prepared and from a, 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 a I want to say a, an emotional standpoint they're not going to fear Middle Tennessee State when you go into Memorial Stadium and you put a beat down on the Cornhuskers right. you could play with anybody in the country even though Nebraska isn't what it was in recent years I mean, when you still a Big Ten football, it's still team. a Big Ten yeah. football game, and they knock they knock them around in that matchup. Well, you bring up a really good point that I'd like to double down on, which is, you know, I, I know every year is different, and every team, every group of personnel is different, but there are certain coaches that just have the formula for getting kids sure. prepared. And we've talked to guests in recent weeks who have said this is, you know, the bowl season is a unique animal. You're now preparing kids in a different setting, in a road game. It's more of a relaxed atmosphere. You have kind of a party, carnival-like sure. atmosphere depending on where you are. There's a long break 
in between games. Terry Bowden said to us last week, you know, I have to make sure I keep these 18, 19, 20-year-olds focused. Well, Blake Anderson for Arkansas State has been able to do that over the past couple of seasons. And Coach Stockstill, Rick Stockstill, has not been able to do that. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. I, I just like the personnel of Arkansas State better offensively, defensively, and I'll point out one more statistic as well. Give me the team that is less sloppy. Well, Middle Tennessee... Of all the bowl teams, what do we have? Seventy-eight teams. Is that what in it the is? postseason? Yeah, Thirty-nine <laughs> times two. I think it's seventy-eight. Seventy-eight plus the, the four, t- the other team. So it's technically eighty-two. Yeah. Teams. So we're we're north of eighty teams. No one has a worse turnover margin than Middle Tennessee. That has been a problem all season long. So if Arkansas State is focused, and I think they will be this evening, I think they win by double digits. And to piggyback off your point in terms of preparation, when you have a junior and a senior type of team, kids that are more uh, mature, they take the bowl preparation a little bit differently. Even though you might have one player like Stockstill that's a junior or a senior in, in that matchup, when you look at the nucleus of the team, that's something that you have to look at as well in these bowl games, not just with the head coach. And, and when you look at the NFL perspective, Andy Reid off of a bye. Everybody talks about Andy Reid's performances coming out of a bye because he has his teams ready each and every year. It's the same thing with the bowl preparation. If you have a formula that works, you stick to it. The kids buy into it. And more times than not, you're going to get bowl victories. And that's the one thing that Arkansas State has done in recent years. And I think Justice Hansen, again, he's not going to be a, a top five or, or fifth round pick but in the sixth seventh or eighth rounds when he comes out he's a guy you have to keep an eye out on because again he makes his reads and progressions completing around 64 percent of his passes 34 touchdowns and he could stretch teams vertically with his arm strength yeah and i, I think that's what's a, a fun opportunity in these types of games to get a chance to watch some of these players that we didn't focus on during the season and and you know we have we have sort of a dichotomy we have some kids who you know the derwin james we talked about royce right. freeman some kids who will not be playing in order to prepare for the nfl draft well the flip side of that is kids like a Justice Hansen or a Javon Rollins-Jones who feel the need to play because this right. is an opportunity to be on a stage by themselves. There's no other college football game at 8 o'clock Eastern tonight, so this is a chance to impress scouts. So you might have a handful of kids who sit out these games in order to avoid an injury, but you have far many more kids, Joe, who use this as their you know, last opportunity of 2017 to turn heads. I don't know if it's going to get up into the 40s, but I see Arkansas State winning this ballgame. I want to say 38 to 24, you know, 14-point victory. I could see it right in that area. It could be seven points much of the way before they tack on a late touchdown and they win this ballgame by 14 points. I think it's a lopsided game. I think of all the games today, I think this is one that could be – this one could be over at the start of the fourth quarter. I think Arkansas State is that much better than Middle Tennessee. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, two good quarterbacks. If Stock still gets hot early, it could be a it could be. He's going to be making plays on the run, Joe. I don't like the Middle Tennessee offensive line and, and Arkansas State. Not only the ability to create pressure off the edge, but tackles for loss in general. Number twelve in the country in making plays behind the line of scrimmage. That could be a problem for the entire Middle Tennessee backfield. Yeah, we'll see. It's an eight o'clock kick. Keep it where it is in terms of that battle. Uh, it is the chameleon 
Camellia Bowl. Camellia as Bowl they call in it. Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, yep. great matchup there taking place. We'll also talk about this battle. It is Akron and Terry Bowden, the Boca Raton Bowl, taking on Lane Kiffin and FAU. All eyes on the Owls in this ballgame. Highest spread in the bowl season. Highest spread possibly ever. In a, in a bowl game, I mean, 23 points close, from yeah. the Vegas angle, I believe it is. I'll double-check that on the break, but this is a Florida Atlantic team that is and 6-1 this year at home and has won those six games by 23.6 points per game. So they're right on the number there, but we spoke to Coach Bowden, 31 players from the state of Florida, including starting quarterback Cato Nelson, that is from Boca Raton. I think Coach Bowden has them up. I think he has them ready. I think they're able to move the football. This is a team that's plus 10 in turnover margin and does have the, one of the best defenses in terms of third down conversions, holding opposing offenses to 34%. I like Akron to keep this game close from start to finish. I, I, I disagree. I don't think it'll be that close. I just think there's a, there's a significant talent edge for Florida Atlantic when you look at Driscoll behind center, Devin Singletary, the running back. Just, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin has pushed the right buttons. He's done a remarkable job in his first season at FAU. Offensively, so much more superior than Akron. Now, I like the coaching matchup. Coach Bowden, a veteran, somebody right. who's coached in the SEC versus Lane Kiffin, who's been, you know, one of young the most gun. talked about. Yeah, young <laughs> gun, but he also is experienced. And for FAU, you know, for folks who think, you know, maybe they're going to look past Akron, that big spread, everybody expects them to win comfortably. For the program, it's their first bowl game in nine years, last bowl game in 2008. So this is still a big deal for the Owls, big deal for Florida Atlantic. I think they'll play accordingly. Now, I I like Akron to cover that big number. I think Coach Bowden will have his kids ready. They've been scrappers. They've been fighters all season long. I think it might take a backdoor cover for them to cover. I just don't know if they can compete with the speed and the athleticism. Florida Atlantic just... Man, they were trending in the right direction right through that Conference USA Championship game. Yeah, if you watch them week number one against Navy, you would think there's no way Lane Kiffin could get this thing turned around in year number one. The one thing that I think when you break this game down as well, it is a home game, so expect a sold-out atmosphere. Uh, I did hear that Lane Kiffin had mentioned that if they did go to a bowl game outside the state of Florida, maybe their fans wouldn't have traveled Mm -hmm. for this matchup. Uh, You mentioned 2008. Howard Schnellenberger, the coach back? in the yeah, day yeah that, that was he so, was the he was the father of fau father, football he was the yeah. father right grandfather they probably. used to have rusty smith at quarterback back yeah. in the day they were a good program at one point absolutely and then as schnellenberger did get up there in age they tailed off and then with mario cristobal back in 2010 11 and 12 uh they, they had a fight for the talent within the conference so we'll see i mean this is an intriguing matchup because akron cannot get into a shootout with florida atlantic because it will be lights out, but I do feel that it is the mobility of Cato Nelson in that battle. I do think that Akron covers that matchup. We'll see. It is on February, uh, December 19th. When we come back, we'll be talking to uh, Corey Allen, Georgia wide receiver. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the programming there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. football playoff right around the corner two great battles we're talking oklahoma georgia alabama clemson if you want to break down the sec you reach out to a big time player within the conference he's live on the fantasy sports celebrity guest line want to welcome in former georgia wide receiver Corey allen Corey, college football bowl season's here and we're talking college football playoff doesn't get better than this does it Hey, I'm excited, Joe. Down here in NCC country right now, I'm actually at the Grambling and North Carolina A&T Celebration Bowl. The Mercedes-Benz is already full, but there are so many games on the slate for the rest of the bowl calendar. I'm extremely excited, and I really want to see what the SEC teams are ready to do against these great matchups facing us. Corey, I know you had a big-time battle against Ron Dane in Wisconsin in the Outback Bowl back in 1998, January 1st. Your team dominated that matchup with their black britches in dominating the Badgers in that bowl game. I want to know about the preparation, the time from the regular season until that January 1st bowl game. What is the perspective from not only the coaches, but the players in terms of preparation the opportunity to have bowl game preparation is essential to any team's success whether you look at the current calendar year or even the following season it gives you a chance for really 25 more practices 25 opportunities for your players to get better I can remember when we had our experience against Wisconsin, it was a great chance for us to really face a top-tier running back. So we took that opportunity to get better. And if you get better during the time that you have, then the team is going to come out completely focused. It's a great chance for development of younger players, and it's also a chance for the upperclassmen to really set the tone if they're trying to get themselves to that next level and possibly play some football on a Sunday. So it's a great opportunity for the coaches in recruiting and development, but the players really understand it's a great time for them to really hone their craft and find opponents that are not necessarily accustomed to their style of play and try to take advantage of it. Corey, uh, sort of piggybacking off of that question in terms of bowl preparation, I'm always fascinated by, you know, time off is great. You have an opportunity to heal, but a month away from football, how much of a concern is rust or being a little bit out of football shape after really no contact for such a long period of time? The out-of-football shape portion of the reach is really not a major concern because both teams will be facing the same problem when you look at the layoff and the amount of time spent between games. The major concern is going to be on the offensive side of the ball as far as the timing, especially when you look at the passing attack. You've got to make sure that your quarterbacks and your receivers stay in sync during this off period because you cannot have any laps in your play calling or your play execution when the game does take place. On the defensive side of the ball, you really want to get a lot of players ready to play because you're going to have players get tired, just as you mentioned, and you need to be able to rotate, especially in your front seven or along the defensive front. 
it's an important time again. Develop those guys, get them ready because it's an opportunity that you have to take advantage of, and it can sneak up on you kind of quickly. Corey, when you look at this matchup for the Bulldogs going up against Heisman Trophy winner Baker Mayfield, a couple of factors why I like Georgia here is their ability to play man-to-man coverage on the outside and bring pressure off of the edge with guys like Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter and Roquan Smith. I mean, when you when you look at that matchup overall, I mean, is that the matchup that Kirby's looking at in terms of forcing Baker Mayfield into throws underneath coverage just the way they did against Jared Stidham? It's the only way it's going to work, Joe. When you ask me, I look at the linebackers that Georgia has going against a Heisman winner like Baker Mayfield. Hey, he's the best in the business. There's no question about that. But my defense, that Georgia dog defense, is going to have to enjoy some cake from Baker and some ice cream from the Mayfield side. We've got to attack him. We've got to put him under pressure because it's going to be the only way to slow him down. He's going to... He's really a 40-point type of guy, and if we can't hold him to 25, Georgia's going to be in a very uphill battle. The linebacker pressure, the safety blitzes, the zone situations that we can create on the defensive side of the ball are going to be extremely important. We've got to be multiple. Baker Mayfield has seen it all at this point. We're going to have to win one-on-one matchups, primarily in our front seven on the defensive side of the ball. Corey, keeping it on Baker Mayfield, uh, obviously the big name in this game. Break down his game for us. What kind of a quarterback... Uh, is he, and what kind of potential challenges does he present for the Georgia defense? He's tough, Rich. He's a Mike Vick slash Russell Wilson type of combination. He looks to throw the ball even when he's outside of the pocket, but once he makes his decision to get upfield, he'll put a foot in the ground and he can run with the best of them. So he's definitely a threat, especially once he gets on the perimeter. Most of Baker Mayfield's great plays were made when the play breaks down. So when you cover his receivers and when you shut down the first offensive uh, Reed, Baker Mayfield does a great job of offsetting that and trying to make things happen after the snap, and that's something that you really can't coach and that you can't count on as a defense. You really have to maintain defensive responsibilities. You really have to make sure that everyone is disciplined in their role because Baker Mayfield will exploit the one guy, especially downfield in your secondary, that's not doing his job. He's a great uh, play caller because he does also do, do a lot of audibles when you look at the Oklahoma offensive set. So he's got skilled players all around him, Rich, and he does a great job getting the ball in their hands. But the main the main issue is how do you contain Baker Mayfield because not just his arms, but his legs are a real major threat in that offensive attack. I think when you look at Georgia's offense, Corey, up against Oklahoma's defense, they're going to have to run the football. And I go back to that game against West Virginia where West Virginia utilized the Wildcat to rush for 251 yards against that Sooners defense. They didn't get the victory, but we know that Georgia has different type of personnel and Sony Michelle has utilized the Wildcat in the past. The factor that I look at as well is how Kirby utilized DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holyfield in that ball game against Auburn because the recipe, in my opinion, to beat Oklahoma is to keep that offense on the sidelines, and they're going to need fresh legs in those ball games at all times. How do you see Kirby utilizing all four backs against Oklahoma's defense? Joe, you're exactly right. Georgia's going to have to be uh, very ball control focused on the offensive side of the ball, and I think using the running backs is going to be a great asset. We've got at least four ball carriers that can take that option at the wildcat position. We can even put Terry Godwin, number five, at wide receiver back there. We have multiple players. Kirby's got a lot of guys at his disposal to make sure that Georgia focuses on maintaining time of possession and using it with the running game because the best thing that the Georgia offense can do 
is to stay on the field and keep the Oklahoma offense off the field. The main thing that Georgia needs to look at, you mentioned West Virginia, Joe, and I also look at the Oklahoma State tapes. Georgia can run the ball on this Oklahoma defense. This is not the best Oklahoma defense that they've had in the past 5, 10, or 15 years, however long you want to look at it. This is a defense that does have some vulnerabilities in the front seven and on the perimeter, but the main thing Georgia's going to have to do is make sure that the time of possession is in their favor, whether they run the ball or convert with short passes. They've got the field wide open to them. This is an opportunity that the offense is really going to have to take. they got to keep up with the Baker Mayfield set Oklahoma team. Corey, I'm going to shift gears a little bit down to uh, New Orleans and the Sugar Bowl. Is there a possibility that we're beginning to overlook Alabama? I get a sense that uh, outside of uh, Vegas and the point spread that a lot of folks like Clemson, but Alabama might just be using that as a motivation. Give us an early breakdown of what you expect between the Tide and the Tigers. I expect another bloodbath. Clemson and Alabama have seen it all when you look at the fact that they played each other here a couple of times in the last few BCF playoffs. This is a major matchup, not just between the coaches, but the players. But to be honest with you, Rich, no one is taking Alabama lightly. Primarily, uh, you have to look at what Clemson brings to the table. And when you look at the fact that Clemson has two of the top D linemen, two top ten players headed into the draft along their defensive front, that's going to present a problem for any offense. And right now the Alabama offense isn't necessarily the extreme threat it's always been. They, may, they primarily convert using play-action pass and setting up the run uh, early in the game. But I think this is an opportunity where Clemson is really uh, – Worst-case scenario, if you ask me, Rich, I think the Alabama defense is going to get healthy. Now, that might be a side of the ball that has been underappreciated with the injuries that they faced, especially late in the season. They didn't have a great showing against Mississippi State. They lost the game against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So the last time we saw Alabama, it wasn't a good taste in our mouth. So that might be the underappreciation. But I feel like when Nick Saban lines his team up, they're going to be ready to play. And I feel the best opportunity for Alabama to win is to try to – null and void the Clemson defensive front because Clemson has probably the best defensive front left in the playoffs. So this is going to be a big test for Alabama. Uh, Clemson understands the test. They're not afraid of it. So no one takes Alabama lightly. But the, to be honest with you, Clemson might be the better team on, on, on that night. Corey, great insight and information. We're going to get you on as we lead up to both of these big ball games. We know you're out on the road in the Georgia Dome there, Mercedes-Benz Dome. We hope you enjoyed it today. Enjoy the game. Thanks for having me, fellas. Go dogs. (laughs) <laughs> Go dogs! He was right about about that their ability to run the football because I I believe that Georgia has the type of physicality on the offensive line to wear down Oklahoma. Can they dictate that tempo? Will be the critical factor whether they get this victory. Uh, I think when you look at Alabama, uh, I think the, the the experience does favor Jalen Hurts here. Now yep. with Brian Dable will be the concern for Alabama. Does that group? Does that unit? gel against this Clemson Tiger defense. Well, and and that's the big issue because third down conversions has really been a problem for Alabama even going back to last season against Clemson. I think it could be a problem again in this game. I I think my thought is not so much... Clemson will not overlook Alabama, obviously. Dabo Sweeney won't. But I think as a country... Uh, I, I think when people are breaking down this game, we, we've sort of lost sight of just how much talent Alabama has. And, sure. and Corey touched on it that defensively they were not healthy at the end of the year, but
but will be healthy or healthier for this game. And a lot really is going to hinge on what happens in the trenches against that Clemson defensive line and then how well Jalen Hurts performs. Because if there's a threat in the passing game along with Calvin Ridley on the outside, let's not forget just how deep and how talented. We talk about Georgia's backs. Alabama's backs might be every bit as good. Well, here's another critical factor in breaking this game down. You look at the mobility factor. We know what Jalen Hurts can do, but we also know what Clemson could do in in defending a mobile quarterback. They face Josh Jackson. They face Lamar Jackson, and that's the matchup. Which defense can contain the opposing quarterback in my opinion, will win that matchup. So we'll see. It's a very intriguing ball game. All both college football playoff games. When we come back, we'll be talking to Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenzi, get his best picks for the day. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Rocking and rolling about it. Two hours away from the start of the 2017 College Bowl season. If you want to get your best picks, you tune into the show right here. We're live with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. He's locked, loaded, and he's wearing his Goodfellas shirt. Gabe, how are you today? I'm ready to go bowling, guys. Catch your towel. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Gabe, great matchups today. Let's start with one. It's the early kick. North Texas and Troy. It's an intriguing battle. North Texas 9-4. and four, Troy 10-2. and two. Rich likes Troy. I'm all over the mean green. How do you see this game playing out? Well, you know, I like a lot of things that are green, guys, including <laughs> money. All right? And... Uh, which leads me to, uh, I like the mean green in this football game. We'll cut the small talk. We'll get right down to business since I know we want to get to a lot of games uh, here. A little bit of line movement. Down to six and a half right now. It's been sitting at seven all week. No line movement on the total at all. A couple of quick gambling tips uh, when you're coming in, you're looking at bowl games. Uh, motivating factors. Is one team going to be a lot more enthusiastic to be there than another team? Um, did the team lose in a bowl game last year? Has the senior class never won a bowl game uh, before? How do teams do on the road? Um, how do they do against teams with winning records and other bowl uh, bowl um, opponents and peers, I should say? So there's a lot of things that I'm going to look at. This football game, both teams are going to be enthusiastic, all right? Sunbelt teams live for bowl games. They love this New Orleans uh, bowl so, you know, Troy's coming in here. They're a motivated team. Meanwhile, you got the Mean Green coming in here, motivated as well. They want to get to 10 wins. I think Troy, they're just a little bit overrated. I think uh, uh, I, I think that North Texas's offense is good enough that they'll be able to move the football uh, on uh, on Troy's defense. I think a lot of people look and see Troy. Look, that, that's the team to beat LSU. Yeah, it's also the team that looked flat against South Alabama as well. You know, the offense is kind of pedestrian. I think they're going to get punched in the mouth and and be in tough to trade points all day. Um, I think North Texas have a chance of an outright upset win here, guys, and just win this game outright. I think their team speed and their offense is going to cause uh, Troy some problems. I'm going to take the points in this game, and I'm going to go over the number. 
Uh, Joe and I, Gabe, agree on the Cure Bowl, Western Kentucky. I, I don't love the Hilltoppers. I thought they underachieved this year. Uh, offensive line was horrific. But you got Mike White. Georgia State struggles to score. We liked uh, Western Kentucky. What do you What do you say? Yeah, you know, this. out of all the games, out of today's games, this is the one that I like the least, actually. And I'm not going to – I don't want to, you know, I don't want to insult any any of these games. Oh, this is the worst game. That's the worst game. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it could turn out to be a great game. From, but from a betting standpoint, it's very hard to trust Western Kentucky. We know the Western Kentucky is the better team. Uh, but let's be real. They underachieved this year, uh, winning six uh, football games. And they've been absolute money burners, guys. Western Kentucky have covered three football games all year. Okay. You know, they're 3-8-1 and one against the point spread. So if you're betting on them, you know, you're hoping that they cover only for the fourth time this year. I do think Georgia, Georgia State are a weird team. You know, Manning does a good job in between the 20s, and their offense moves the, stand, moves the ball. But they get into the red zone, you get turnovers. Uh, they're, you know, they're unable to punch it in. They do have a decent passing attack. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are some points in this game. I like the over better earlier in the week when it was 51-and-a-half, but the public's starting to click right now as they watch us, guys. Um, so, you know, the total's up to 53-and-a-half right now. Don't love this game. I think Western Kentucky does win. I'm going to be betting the over, but I'm going to avoid uh, a side in this game. I'm not laying a seven with the Hilltoppers, but I do think they win. I'm going to go over the number in this one. Gabe, the Las Vegas Bowl, this is a game that I'm not really – I just want to watch this matchup play out between Oregon and Boise State. I lean to the Broncos in this matchup. Royce Freeman will not play. Madison probably will not play for Boise State. Something tells me you're on the Ducks in this ballgame. Yeah, yeah, so I want to – you know, you wonder who does that affect more, uh, Boise State losing their running back or, or the Ducks losing their running back? And, hey, I love Royce Freeman, but I think it's next man up, as we saw against uh, against uh, the Beavers. And, you know, J- Justin Herbert's that good, guys. I'm kind of in a minority on this one, and I'm actually surprised. Most of the cappers and most of the people that I talk to think that this is a really close game. I'm seeing mainstream websites talking about upset alert and how Boise State this and Boise State that. And here's a newsflash for everybody. You know, that Statue of Liberty play in the Fiesta Bowl, that was a long time ago, okay? <laughs> I think, true. you know, people people hang on to this. I think Kellen Moore was the quarterback then. People hang on, Boise State, may they step up. I think, you know, we talked about this. To me, Boise State are the worst 10 team win in the country. They didn't deserve to host that Mountain West Conference championship game. And they, they, they nearly lost that game, and they got every call. It was like the Mountain West, you know, conference didn't want Fresno winning the conference for one reason or another. I'm not overly sold on this uh, this Boise team. I will admit they showed some heart. They dug down deep, you know, to, to get to ten wins here. But quite frankly, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with the Ducks. You know, you want numbers, guys. Justin Herbert uh, played in seven games this year. He missed five games. He started seven games. In the seven games that he played, the Ducks' offense averaged fifty-two point one points per game. All right, in the five games he didn't play, they averaged fifteen points per game. Yeah, you know, he's pretty good. And we saw they hung sixty-nine <laughs> up. They hung sixty-nine up on the Beavers. I see the Ducks getting to, you know, 45, 48 in that range, and I see Boise getting stalled in the 30 uh, in the thirty neighborhood. I love the Ducks. I'm going big on the Oregon Ducks, and I don't like laying points, guys. I'm an underdog better. I like taking points, uh, but I'm not stupid. I think the Oregon Ducks are going to roll them. I think we're looking at like a 48-31 game. Love the Ducks minus the points. I'm going to go over the number. We talked about it last week, and – 
you know, I stated, I don't believe in really the kids running the asylum and stating, oh, we want this guy, we want this guy, because you guys are going to be gone. And I, listen, I said, I don't know, they could have done better than Mario Cristobal. I want to take that back in a sense that I think Cristobal is a great coach, okay? I, I, you know, I don't know what happened in his career path after FIU and why he didn't just take that next step uh, right away. I just thought Lane Kiffin was the perfect uh, coach for this job. But without being stated, you know, the, the kids love Mario Cristobal. This isn't an interim coach situation. Cristobal is going to want to show the boosters in the school that they made the right decision. And he's going to want to put the rest of the country on alert that the Ducks are the real deal coming into next year. And I think he does all of the above. Lay the seven points with the Ducks. You're going to kick back, watch an enjoyable football game, and watch Justin Herbert hang 50 on uh, on Boise. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think it's the Justin Herbert show uh, in Las Vegas today. I think he gets a chance to showcase to the country just how good he is and maybe even uh, lay the foundation for a Heisman run in 2018. Let's switch over to Albuquerque in the New Mexico Bowl. I, Gabe, I look at Colorado State much the way you described Western Kentucky. You know that there's talent, they have potential, but inconsistency has plagued this team throughout the season. Can they put it together against Marshall and finally get a postseason victory? This is a classic. So finally we get a situation here where we can use the motivating factors. And let's look at the motivating factor. You mentioned it. Colorado State, I don't know what it is, Rich. They seem to lack that fire and passion this year for one reason or another. And they have some players. I mean, the coolest thing they had all year was was that uh, was the alternate jersey, which they should wear every week. Yeah, that, that's great stuff. Uh, but besides that, you know, kind of a flat, underachieving football team with talent, as you stated. Uh, how, how enthusiastic do you think they are going to play uh, in the New Mexico Bowl right now? Oh, great. We get to go to a, a stadium that we go to every two years. You know, what, what are they going to do? They're going to do the Breaking Bad uh, meth tour uh, of the city? <laughs> like, no offense. And I, I'm considered retiring in New Mexico. Great cheap real estate out there. Beautiful land. But let's be real. If you're a college kid and you play against New Mexico every year and you go here every two years and you go to this bowl game all the time, how excited really are you about this? Coach Bobo's 0-3 guys in bowl games straight up and against the spread. Conference USA is the best conference in bowl games. Okay, since 2011, they're 22-11 straight up. Marshall, guys, how about this? Marshall have the best bowl record in college football history. They've only played in 12 bowl games in their history. You know, they used to be a playoff team, right? They weren't D1. So they've only played in 12 bowl games in their history, guys. They've won 10 of them. Doc Holliday's four and zero straight up and against the spread in his bowl games. They they've got a they've got a spot waiting in the in the trophy case right now, man. They got a kid shining it up as we speak. They live for this. We are Marshall. You want to talk about motivating factors? And if listen, if you live in Huntington, West Virginia, you're glad to go anywhere. So they're they're happy to go to the New Mexico Bowl. Marshall play with a chip on their shoulder at all times. I think Marshall can win this game outright. You know, Marshall are the best bowl uh, bowl team in college football at ten and two. Doc Holliday's four and zero straight up and against the spread in bowls. Colorado State have lost their last three bowls. Bubbles never won a bowl, so that puts them makes them a little bit uh, motivated here. There's been big line movement in this game, guys, because people are starting to dial into this. It was five and a half all week. It's down to three and a half. I wish I had more information for you, but I heard late last night. You know, I don't know if kids the kids on Marshall did something. But I'm hearing that five, six kids sort of upset the coach. So I don't know what happened, whether it was a curfew or this or that. Something to keep our eye on before kickoff. If maybe one kid doesn't start or doesn't play right away. 
but it's Marshall. So shocking that, you know, something happened. It was obviously nothing major because no one got arrested that we know of. But I heard that there was something with a bunch of players. I don't know how serious it is. I don't think it's major or anything. But I like Marshall here, guys. I think they can win this game outright. I think they will win this game outright. We'll see how it plays out, Gabe. Great insight and information. May the winners be yours. We'll bring you back next hour to get the uh, weekly bowl picks. I can't wait. He now I'm really nervous Conference about that USA, game. <laughs> you know what? I love North Texas after that. Mason yeah. Fine going to tear it up over Troy. But I'll tell you what he did bring up that, you know, I'm a historian. He did bring up Kellen Moore and Boise State. Jared Zabransky yeah. and Ian Johnson. Oh, Ian Johnson. Ian Johnson. They were selling girlfriend. Ian Johnson's gloves on eBay like a few years ago. How much did you buy them day. for? No, nah, no, no. But that hook and ladder was fantastic in the in the. Fiesta I was watching Bowl. clips of that against Oklahoma. That was a remarkable was, game. That, do you remember him proposing to his yes, girlfriend? Yes, I do. On the yes, back end yes. Of that? that had everything. Adrian Peterson was not happy in that matchup. But that's what makes college football great. We're talking Boise State 2007 Fiesta Bowl. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other bowls later in the week. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. on college football today talking week one of the bowls very intriguing battle in the st petersburg bowl it's temple and jeff collins taking on butch davis and florida international rich this is a temple team that got it going over the last seven games of the season with their freshman quarterback frank newtile he completed 60 percent of his passes over 1300 passing yards 11 touchdowns temple averaged 280 passing yards per game this year over the last seven games i think it can Continues. I think they get a, a convincing 17-point or more win over Florida International in this ballgame. Yeah, see, I, I, I disagree. Uh, I like the job that Butch Davis did with, uh, with FIU, did a terrific job in his first season. He has had success in the postseason in the past, 5-2 and two with a variety of teams, Miami, North Carolina. Those two losses were very close. And I look at FAU, this is a, uh, FIU, this is a veteran offense. Alex Magoo uh, under center. Alex Gardner in the backfield, Thomas Owens, one right. of the better group of five wide receivers in the country. And I don't know why we're overlooking FIU at this point. And I don't know why Temple is giving seven points to anybody outside of that pass rush, which does concern me against the uh, Panther offensive line. I don't see a lot of things to be worried about on Temple. I don't think they should be laying seven points. And I think Florida International wins this game outright. I think they, they're that good. And listen, they beat Marshall. 
They beat Western Kentucky. We talk a lot about motivation, right. Joe. This is only the third bowl game in program right. history. I think they'll be fired up for this game. Yeah, Butch Davis has over-exceeded expectations. I mean, you can't argue what he's done this year. I think a lot of people thought they'd be in the area of four, possibly five wins, but to bring home eight wins this year, fantastic job. He's brought it. You mentioned Alex Magoo does have 13 passing touchdowns. For, for me, it does come down to the trenches. That's where I like Temple in this ballgame. They're battle-tested 3-3 three and three on the road this year. They played teams like Central Florida, lost that matchup at home. They played teams like uh, Notre Dame, lost that week one battle. So, I mean, those are some of their losses. And when you look at Florida International this year, their three road losses on the road or on a neutral field site, they got blown out. They lost those games by an average margin of defeat of 23.6 points per game. And the weakness is in their secondary. They're giving up 242 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks. That's why I think the extra preparation time will benefit Frank Newtile in this offense. And I think the speed of Temple, for me, is the difference. I think they dominate this ballgame. Well, listen, FIU has had problems on defense, but it, does Temple have the kind of offense that can exploit it? I think it? they do. I, I do. You know, Newtile was up and down, threw a few too many picks. The success he had was right. against Academy defenses, Army and Navy. I, I don't like the firepower of the Temple offense. Again, love the pass rush, a lot of speed, a lot of intensity up front. That's going to be a concern. But I favor the veteran leadership of that FIU offense. And, yeah, they did have problems in road games, and this is technically a road game, but at least they don't have to travel. They're in St. Petersburg, right. so it's a it's kind of a home game, at least in their home state. A lot of these players will have family members that attend this game for Temple. I'll go back to the motivation issue. Temple has been playing for AAC championships the last couple of years, appearing in bigger bowl games, better opponents. Now they're facing a mid-tier Conference USA team. And by the way, you love the Conference USA, statistics, uh, Conference USA Bowl statistics when it's North Texas, but how yep. about with Florida International? <laughs> That's very selective, my friend. It is, because I look at I look at Temple last year. They did not step up against Wake Forest. They lost that matchup. They fell behind early. P.J. Walker, Jihad Thomas came on in the second half of that matchup, but they did not have their head coach, Matt Rule, for that matchup. Jeff Collins, to me, this is a critical, critical juncture to get a head start on 2018 and when you look at his quarterback Frank Newtile that is a freshman I think the added preparation time will benefit that offense more than Florida International coupled with the fact that the game is in Florida we mentioned FAU being a home game this isn't Florida International's home field so that's why I like Temple in this matchup I think they paced Florida International in this ballgame, but we'll see. That's why we're breaking it down. When we come back, we'll talk about the week upcoming for the College Bowl season. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34.